0: The defeated Mandalorian veterans of the Great Sith War, who had sided with the Sith Lords Ullik Keldroma and Exar Kun, returned to their homeworld of Mandalore and were disgusted with how inefficient they had been at exploiting their conquests. While they were masters at pillaging, plundering, and destroying when it came to holding on to the gains they had made, the infamous warriors had proved to be completely incompetent. Huge industrial complexes that had amassed during the war had simply remained inert and idle. While they had been too busy focusing on their next battle, instead of using those factories to produce more weapons and equipment to support their crusade. And as the war had continued, their numbers had only dwindled when they should have increased if they had recruited the millions of beings they had subjugated. Out of this self-contempt rose a small group who blamed these weaknesses on their traditional nomadic lifestyle, an unorganized martial structure. Instead, this group decided to break from tradition and wore identical suits of armor, employed divisions of labor, and created an elementary type of chain of command. They named themselves Neo-Crusaders. And while most of the other Mandalorians found their unorthodox behavior strange, some were intrigued. Soon enough, these Neo-Crusaders were able to prove themselves. When the Mandalorians started raiding non-aligned worlds again, the Neo-Crusaders won their fair share of battles due to their self-imposed military discipline. The Anila Mandalore, or Mandalore the Ultimate, who was a member of the Tong species, he would be one of the last of his kind to be Mandalore. And I say Mandalore in such a funny way because this is the traditional early way of saying it, which is actually spelled M-A-N-D apostrophe A-L-O-R. Now Mandalore the Ultimate sought to revive his warriors from the humiliation of the war, and beyond that, to save the Mandalorian way of life from vanishing from the galaxy entirely, as most of the clan were members of his species and they were nearing extinction. So, he realized that the Mandalorians needed to expand their membership beyond the Tongs. Therefore, he assembled a group of talented advisors that had expertise beyond battle and war. These included the human Cassus Fett. Yes, he is related to two more famous Fets. Now, Cassus became Mandalore the Ultimates, aide-de-camp, and principal strategist. Both Fett and the Mandalore took notice of the Neo-Crusaders, and decided to encourage the movement. Cassus readjusted the sect's organizational tactics for use in much grander and larger scale war campaigns, while the ultimate swelled their ranks with warriors from countless worlds, such as Rodians, Twi'leks, Togorians, Carestians, Mandalian giants, and humans, who made up the majority of the new recruits for the Neo-Crusaders. Because of Mandalore, the ultimate's new way of thinking, the term Mandalorian, started to shift from signifying the Tong species to become a term that stood for a warrior culture, that was defined by its devotion and idolization of honor and glory, instead of being tied to one particular species. The ideals of the Neo-Crusaders and their more regimented structure and standardized armor then spread and was embraced by the majority of the Mandalorians, though not all of them. As the Mandalorians rediscovered their taste for galactic conquest, thanks in part to some puppeteering behind the scenes from the Sith, a new war with the Republic began again. This one would be referred to as the Mandalorian Wars. Learning from their previous mistakes, whenever the warriors conquered a Republic world, this time the populace of those worlds would be given a choice, to join the Neo-Crusaders as one of them, or be worked like slaves in manufacturing plants, supplying arms for the war effort. For good reasons, then, many chose to become Mandalorian warriors instead of slaves. This also included criminals, which therefore left many Republic prisons empty. These new recruits we could call them, I guess, recruits, were then taken to planetary staging centers, where they received indoctrination in the central tenets of Mandalorian life, before being issued their Neo-Crusader armor and weapons. Neo-Crusader armor, aside from being standardized, had a harder surface than the earlier Crusader armor of the Great Sith War, as they offered upgrades and protection with the use of Beskar iron a material which also incorporated stealth field generators to keep their warriors undetected from enemies. The armor was also color coordinated to correspond with the rank and position of the wearer. A new recruit and thus the lowest ranked member wore blue. Rally masters who functioned similar to sergeants had crimson color, while field marshals wore suits in golden colors. Then there were neo-crusader shock troopers who were equipped with more hardened armor, for extensive extravehicular activity, which allowed these special varieties of Neo-Crusaders to spend a full 24 hours in the vacuum of space without needing a recharge. Initially, the Neo-Crusaders seemed unstoppable, bringing the Republic to the brink of defeat, until a rogue Jedi Knight named Revan and his apprentice Malak joined the war effort and marshaled the Republic forces to victory. In a final confrontation on the planet Malakor V, most of their forces were destroyed, and Revan slayed Mandalore and Ultimate in a duel. After which, he stripped the remaining Mandalorians of their armor and weaponry, and took the Ultimate's mask, which completely fragmented their clans. Many of the remaining Neo-Crusaders became bandits, pirates, and mercenaries, returning to their nomadic ways. Hope you all enjoyed this video and backstory of a bunch of different things that we covered. If you did, throw a like, and I'll see you in the next video. Until then, remember... The Force will be with you, always. Now, Force.